Well, good morning. Welcome to the First Baptist Jackson live stream. I'm so glad that you are all here and, and joining us this morning across our town and across the country and around the world. Uh, we're very excited to have you. Um, this morning we are going to begin with a reading from uh, the book of 1 John, chapter 3, verse 1, and it says, um, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. And it says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. And um, I just want us to, to think of that this morning as we begin. Just praise him for the simple fact of his love. Uh, so pray with me as we begin this service. Father, we thank you for your love and for your gracious, gracious gifts to us. Uh, Lord, as we, as we open up this service in song, Lord, we ask that you would be pleased with our worship and that you would accept it. Lord, we love you. Out of your love for us. Your word says that we love, we learn to love because of how you first loved us. And we are so grateful for that. And we, it is in that thought that we sing. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to Deliverance, how 
This morning, verses 9 and 10, those verses say, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness most gladly. Therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I don't know if Satan has tempted you to despair like the last song we just sang, but so many people are suffering with isolation and fear right now. And um, if you would, just take a moment. And if you are um, struggling with um, despair or isolation or being insulated or maybe you feel like the enemy has eliminated you, I'm here to tell you that that is not the case the Father will use you and will come to you. And uh, amid the crisis, amid, um, you know, all the hopelessness in the world, I just want us to take maybe 30 seconds from wherever you are um, in this live stream. I want you to take a moment and meditate on the Lord's faithfulness. Take 30 seconds.
difficulties but we're all getting them fleshed out and so forth but now's our time for offering this is a great opportunity uh, if um, if you've never given online before uh, to learn how to give online but before we do let get a couple of announcements for you one is I'm looking at an empty room hopefully for the last time uh, because next week May 10th we will be here on Mother's Day uh, in this room now here's the important thing to understand at nine, that service will be at nine o'clock just as we're doing this live stream now at nine uh, all we are doing is we're opening the doors and people are welcome to be in here as we do the live stream if you feel like you are at risk if you feel like your immune system is compromised if you feel sick in any way if you are have any type of fear of contracting this virus uh, we would ask that you stay home or attend our 10:30 service which will continue to be in the drive-in format in our parking lot and so if you've never attended our drive-in service we want to welcome you to do that it'll be today at 10:30, as well as next week at 10:30, and subsequent weeks until we work our way past this the um, but the service next week at 9 a.m. will be in here we can seat 90 people on the floor we can see 30 people in the balcony and then we have overflow in our fellowship hall and some other rooms in which we will show uh, the live stream uh, so, uh, again, you'll be here as the, the praise team will be here. I'll be here. Daniel will be here. We'll all be here, uh, and uh, doing what we're doing, uh, continue to do it this way. So, like I said, if you, if you need to stay home in order to feel safe, uh, especially during this time, uh, we ask you that you would do that. If you are an at-risk person, we're going to ask for your own benefit, um, that you would either attend the drive-in service or continue to just enjoy the live stream. Uh, service because we do not want you to come back and uh, and and do get there is always the risk uh, during this period of time that you could get sick because there will be other people here and so forth but we will keep the six feet of distance uh, it will be different than you're used to because we will have all types of social distancing measures put in place we will only uh, there will be six feet of waiting in between people as you're outside only one entrance everybody will come in through the front entrance through one set of doors uh, one family at a time, and you do get to sit with your family. Uh, there will not be any specific children's church or junior church. It's family worship, and so uh, your family will sit together. Once we get that family seated, then we let another family camp come in, and they get seated. Once they get seated, we make sure everybody maintains that six feet of distance between families. Because if you're already living together at home, obviously uh, you already uh, you already have each other's germs. So uh, we are. Um, so we're keeping your family together, but we're separating you from other families that you do not normally have contact with. So that's in keeping with the state's measures, and we will do everything to keep everything wiped down and clean and, and as clean as we possibly can have to make sure it's a safe environment for everybody. But if you still want to come to the drive-in service, we, like I said, we will continue to do that at 10.30. The 10.30 each week will be the drive-in service. At 9 a.m. will be the live stream and the open worship service. So we're looking forward to it. Next week, 
at the 9 o'clock service, we have our, our first baptism since in coming back. And so we're excited. My grandson, Finn, is going to be baptized. And, uh, and so we're excited about that. So we'll hope you'll come and enjoy the service. Now, we're taking a moment to take up our offering. Uh, again, it's an online deal. Uh, so if you have not done it or learned how to text, do text giving or online giving, uh, those are the safest forms of giving that you can possibly have. Uh, so please uh, go to our website and, and work through that process. If you've done it before, should be old hat. But, uh, but anyway, let's take a moment to worship the Lord through our tithes and our offerings. made choices. I've lost out. I've wished a thousand times I could go back and try again. It's hard not to imagine what might have been. If I had just stopped to think. If I had just done as I was told. If I hadn't thought I knew it all. Why didn't I just take a few deep breaths? Took one second to listen. Maybe my life would be better. Maybe there wouldn't be such a high price to pay. Things would be different now. I wouldn't have so many regrets. But is everything lost? Can I just get a do-over? Is there a way back to new beginnings? Because regret can mean a new beginning. When it's given to the one who produces a repentance. A repentance that delivers me from my grief. The one who takes my mistakes. And somehow redeems me through them. Who tells me? I'm not the sum total of all my regrets. He tells me not to look back. Because there's nothing there to see. I am not my mistakes. He is faithful and just to forgive me. I just have to ask him. And then I can look straight forward. Forget what is behind me. And strain towards what is ahead. And walk away with all regrets erased by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Every day I'm given a clean slate. A clean slate? I get a clean slate. Hmm. Well, good morning. We are um, so glad for those who hung in through our technical challenges this morning and are with us this morning, and um, and and know that. Uh, as I as I still get messages of hey the live stream's down but uh, hopefully you're refreshed 
and or you've restarted or you're back or whatever. Whatever the case, if you're hearing me now, you've done what you needed to do. And so we're excited about that. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, today's message is the last in this series called Finding Jesus. And appropriately, um, it is called Finding Jesus in Our Failures. And so, uh, you know, when things don't go right, we have a tendency to think that everything is lost. We, we get sucked into these moments of when we think, I, I, this messed up, or this didn't go the way I intended it to go, or I planned for these things to happen. And it, sometimes those failures are our fault. Sometimes they're the fault of others. Sometimes it's the fault of natural circumstances. Sometimes our failures are connected to things like what we are going through right now, like with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and things we didn't intend. Businesses are failing. Marriages are failing. Homes are failing. The, the, we, maybe, maybe your efforts at being a homeschooling parent uh, for the first time didn't go like you expected and you feel like you're a failure in that. This is the nature of our lives. Whenever we do anything, we always have the risk of failing to achieve the expectation that we had. Sometimes those, real, those expectations were unrealistic. But one thing is for sure, we are not alone in the department where it comes to failing. I was reading about a guy who had a business and uh, during this period of time, and he put in a command code. And when he put in the command code, uh, he erased his entire business, all of his clients, all of his records, everything he had, just through one simple command, it was all wiped away. But I was looking, if you Google worst failures in history, uh, you get some pretty interesting, uh, and I guess it's all, all in the eyes of the beholder uh, as far as what is the greatest failures ever. But uh, here were some pretty big ones. Uh, in 1453, during the siege of Constantinople, the entrenched Byzantines leave a gate unlocked, allowing the invading Turks to pour in, and they crushed their empire. A 600-man Spanish expedition tries to colonize Florida, lost its ships, finds no gold, and got routed by the natives. There were only four survivors who were left with nothing. This is a pretty familiar one. On the Titanic's maiden voyage, a lookout neglected to bring binoculars to the crow's nest to spot icebergs and we all know what happened a grad student unwittingly killed the oldest known tree a bristlecone pine that dated back 5,000 years when he chopped it down to free a tool that had gotten stuck 1971 I remember this uh, I remember the Pinto the Ford Pinto was released and uh, 1.5 million were recalled when they realized when it got hit in the rear end uh, they exploded a bad flaw in an automobile uh, when lightning struck New York City in 1977, an operator failed to flip some switches in time, and it resulted in one of the largest blackouts in city history. And um, in 1990, NASA spent $1.5 billion to put what you know as the Hubble Space Telescope into space. Only problem was all the pictures were blurry, and so um, millions had to be spent in order to try to repair that error. So... Whatever you are, I, that's not just to make you feel better because other people have messed up more than you, but today we are looking at a guy who messed up. We are looking at a guy who failed, a guy who had the opportunity, who Jesus had entrusted with being the, one of the leaders in the church and gave him all kinds of responsibility and being one of the leaders of the apostles. And when right came right down to it, he when Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, he swore, I will never leave you. I will never betray you. I will never fail you. And then only just hours later, failed miserably when given the opportunity to take a stand for Christ when given the opportunity to stand with Jesus he denied him not once not twice but three times as Jesus predicted that he would and he wept bitterly he was left in that grief and anxiety until he had word that Jesus had resurrected from the dead and then he went running to the tomb and, and saw that the tomb was empty and then actually saw the risen Lord. And last week we were talking about how Jesus finds us in our daily life. What did he do after all the dust had settled and everything? He went back to work. Just forget the whole discipleship thing. Forget the whole calling to be an apostle. I'm going to go back to fishing. And Jesus comes out and finds him there. And today we're going to see that he doesn't just leave him there. He doesn't just have a talk with him. He puts him back where he needs to be. 
And so we're going to look at this today. But pray with me as we look at this passage in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 25. Father, we just thank you, God, for how great you are, Lord, that you are the God of our failures and our successes. Lord, you're the God of everything. Lord, I pray that we'd realize today that we learn just as much looking at where we failed, just as much looking at where we have fallen short as we do in our victories. And so, Lord, help us today to learn and grow in the in the grace that you have shown us, Father. May we see how we can be restored. May we see how we can we can find repentance. And, Father, how you show us a better life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It begins with restoration. I had a friend years ago who had gotten involved in an affair. Uh, it was a it was a very very difficult very difficult thing when it was discovered and it wasn't one of those things he came to a a moment of conscience and he said hey I I've messed up and I I need to get my life back on track and and these no he got caught he got caught and then was faced with losing his marriage he lost his church uh, potentially forever having to leave the ministry but his wife being an incredible woman of God said no I want to find a way for restoration and so in conjunction with the pastors of our community and our association we all came together and we tried to put together a biblically based plan to restore him to ministry with the help of his wife and some major accountability and and working through the process of counseling and uh, and a path of repentance and he took that. He gladly grabbed hold of that rope and said, absolutely. And he followed through and, and, and in incredible humility did every single thing he was asked to do and, and went above and beyond because he wanted to be restored. And that is the nature of what we do in, in the church today. We, we restore, we bring what Jesus brings and that is uh, restoration and here we have this pattern of restoration we see that Jesus does come to us and he does seek us out and uh, Peter had failed miserably and Jesus not only uh, he didn't Peter didn't run to Jesus hey Jesus would you put me back like the prodigal son Jesus goes to where he is and says I'm not going to let you go back into your old life I'm going to he said, if you if you love me then I want you to do what I called you to do Look what he says in chapter 21, verse 15. Chapter 21, verse 15. He says, it says, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Here's the thing. Um... We have so many times when we are when we when we fail God and we think in terms of there is no way back. I've done something so great, so grievous that I can never get back. When Jesus comes to Peter, he's identifying in the fact that Peter denied him three times, he's going to take three times to say, Peter, I'm going to ask you a question. And that is, do you love me? He starts out saying, do you love me more than these? Do you have a greater commitment? Do you have a greater commitment to me? And and again, we're not talking about an emotional expression. We're talking about an expression of loyalty. Because the word love gets confused to us. He's not asking Peter, how do you feel about me? He's saying, are you committed to me? Are you committed to do what I ask you to do? And... uh, and, and the first couple of times in the in the Greek that he's using, the Greek word for love that he's using, it, it's, a, it's a it's we know it as brotherly love, but but it's a but it's a bond. It's like, are you with me? Are you with me, Peter? Am am I 
Am I confident that you are going to walk with me? And Peter says, yes, yes, you know that I love you. You know that I am committed to you. You know that I am going to walk with you. And then Jesus gives him an instruction. Well, if that is the case, then feed my lambs. Now, remember, he just said, uh, we just, in the last week's uh, message, we were talking about how uh, Peter had gone back to fishing. He's, he's abandoned the calling. But now here's Jesus, and Jesus saying, hey, hey, do you remember what I asked you to do? Remember I said I'm going to make you a fisher of men, not a fisher of fish? He's like, I need, I need to know, are you going to do what I ask you to do? And he's saying, and it, it's a command. If you do love me, if you are committed to me, then feed my lambs. It seems good enough right there. Yes, done. Second time he asks. Second time he says, Simon, do you love me? And he again says, you know that I love you. You know that I am committed to you. You know that I am going to do what you have put me here to do. And he says, shepherd my sheep. Not, just fe- not only feed them, but watch over them, oversee them, take care of them. If you are committed to me, if you are, if you do have a greater love than these other people do, then I want you to do what I ask you to do. You know, you can't just go back to fishing. You can't go back to your life as normal. I need you to do what I want you, what I called you to do. And then the third time. Now again, each time he addresses him, he does not call him Peter. He calls him Simon, son of John. The same name he had when Jesus first met him. And this again shows this process of restoration. He's trying to get him back to being Peter the Rock. This time when he asked him, he asked him, do you love me? And he uses a different nuance of the word love, meaning do you love me unconditionally? No matter what happens. And this time it grieves Peter. Probably because one He takes an even deeper scope of love, prying a little bit deeper. Do you really, really, really love me? Are you super committed to me? Are you committed to me no matter what happens? Whatever, you know that that passion that you had before when you said, I will not, I will die for you. He said, do you love me that much that you would lay down your life for me? And also, because it's the third time he's asked, showing he very well knows you deny me three times. Now I'm going to ask you to affirm that you're going to follow me three times. And Peter looks at him and cries out, basically ascribing that he knows he's God. He says, Lord, you know, Lord, you know everything. You know my heart. You know, you know all, you know, you knew that I was going to fail you. You know, you know, you surely know now how much my heart grieved over that, that if I had it to do over again, this time I would, I would follow with you. And he says to him, feed my sheep. In our life, when we fail God, when we, when we, when we get away from him, here's, here's what we need to remember. It, the beginning of coming out of failure, the beginning of being back where we need to be is in this restoration process, is remembering at any given time, Jesus can make us what he desires us to be. At any given time, Jesus can make us what he desires us to be. So be restored. He, it is not about what you are able to do. It is about what he is able to do. At any moment in your life, right now, or five hours from now, or ten hours from now, or tomorrow, or the next day, or whatever the case may be, whenever things go wrong, Jesus is capable of getting you back where you need to be. It just is a matter of coming to him or or, or recognizing that he's right there with you, that he hasn't left, that he came to where you are. You know, when you you quit and you say, you know what, I I can't do this and I've failed at this, and, and and then all of a sudden you recognize that Jesus is right there with you. He's not there saying, yeah, you are no good at that. Leave that alone. No, he's he's ready to restore you. There is a difference between failing at something because it was never what we were meant to do and failing at something because it is what we meant to do, yet we gave into the flesh. And I think we all can, it doesn't take a, a lot of discernment to be able to tell the difference between the two. Sometimes when we start out a path and, and, we, and the church is saying, mm, I don't really think you have the gifts for this, I don't really think you're good at this, and, and we 
we and we're asking people with leading questions like, hey, do you think I'm good at this? And they're just being polite and saying, sure. But if you ask them the question, what do you think I'm good at? They probably wouldn't name that thing that you're doing or that job that you have. So when you are but when you are doing something that you know you've been called to do, that you've been affirmed in, that God has blessed you in, and that you see this role, and the church has affirmed it, and your family affirms it, and the Lord has affirmed it, and, and so the Word of God has affirmed it, and you're moving forward in that direction. But because of your own weakness and temptation and flesh, you fail. You know that you're supposed to be a good parent. You know that you're supposed to be a faithful spouse. You know that you're supposed to do this role in ministry. You know you were supposed to go and witness to that person. You knew that you were supposed to go and, and take a stand for Christ and be bold in your faith. And you, But when the moment came, you your knees buckled or you just were tired or you just quit. That's when we have failed to do what God has called us to do and need to remember that Jesus at that point still can make us whatever we need to be. You, you, we have to remind, that's why Jesus takes Peter back to the beginning. It's like, Peter, when I found you, you were not an apostle. You were not a disciple. You were a fisherman. I made you into the person. The, I'm the one who gave you the power to go out and cast out diseases. I'm the one who gave you the power to proclaim my word. I'm, I'm the one who gave you the power to, to lead the other apostles. I gave you this. It was through this plan of discipleship. You just got to a moment and you turned back to your flesh, just like when he was walking on the water. It wasn't Peter's power that gave him the ability to walk on water. It was Jesus' power. And then when he started looking at himself, he sank. And here... Jesus is saying, look, I'm the one. I'm going to lift you back up and put you back. And it it is not a matter of whether you have the ability to do these things or not. I'll give you the abilities. The only question that you need to answer is, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you want to do what I have called you to do? Are you willing to follow me? And if you are, then be restored. Be restored. Ask Christ to change you and to make you what you need to be. It begins with restoration. The next step is redirection. Redirection. That's when we're going the wrong way and we need to go the right way. I was driving in the Rocky Mountains and uh, and we were uh, going out, scoping out this particular ministry opportunity. As we're driving through the Rocky Mountains, having never been there before, uh, we had driven out this long road to get to this place where we were. And on the map, it looked like, or we didn't have a map, we were following the GPS, and we said, okay, now how do we get back to where we were? And we punched it on the GPS. First time I remember, I remember actually using a GPS, and um, so it's been a while. And so we punched it on the GPS, and this wonderful person came on and said, you need to go back the way you came. And I was like, and, it, and I knew it had an autocorrect feature on it, that if we continued driving in a particular direction, that it would tell us it would reroute the map. And I thought, I don't want to go back the way I came. That was really, that would be boring to go back the same way I just drove. I want to see new land. I want to see new, I want to see new places. So let's just keep going this road. And eventually it'll make a, give us a loop or something that we can go. So we keep driving and it kept saying, uh, please make a legal U-turn. Please make a legal U-turn. Now, the reason I remember that is because it said it, I don't know, three, four thousand times because we drove for 45 minutes to an hour and kept going, thinking it's going to reroute us. And so we finally got out a physical map, pulled out the map, and looked and realized the road we were on, it just went into the side of a mountain. It went nowhere. It just simply ended. And uh, and we were, it's like, you're not in you're not in Kansas anymore. You're in you're in Colorado. The roads end here. They don't they don't just jump over a mountain. And so we uh, so we went an hour in the wrong way. And then at that point, when we realized. There was nowhere going that way. We had to do what the GPS told us to do the whole time, and that's turn around and go back. And so now not only did we get the pleasure of going back the way we came from where we started, we also had an extra hour that we had to go back from whence we came. And that is kind of the nature of redirection. 
Uh, when we start in a redirection, the moment when we realize we need to turn back to Christ, it's not like everything's instantly the way it needs to be now. It's like, oh, now I've got to go back down this trail that I have wandered off of to get back to where God would have me to be. Uh, and they, it's like the plan, the, the plan is still the same. I had you on this path and we were walking and then you got off the path and you went and went and went and went and went and went and went. And then we're all hoping that God puts us in this kind of Star Trek moment where he says, okay, I'm just going to take you from here and teleport you back to where you were. And then boom, everything's good again. But that's not how it works. He's like, okay, now that you realize that this is the wrong way and you're going to turn around, you're going to have to come back to here. And that is, again, that's the restoration process, but in that is that redirection. If we don't have redirection, there is no beginning of restoration. We have to begin that redirection. And, and here's what, Peter, what Jesus says to Peter after he says, Feed my sheep. Then he says in verse 18, Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. Now that is a really odd thing to say to someone who is said, I want to, I love you. And he says, Feed my sheep. And, and then and now you've begun this process of restoration. And then it says, but John clarifies what he's talking about. He says, he said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. Now hear that. He's saying, remember, the whole reason we're, Peter got into this mess is because he was not willing to die with Christ. And so Jesus is saying, you know, you failed this time to die with me. But now you're going to get your opportunity. Still going to be the same. Still going to be the same end result. You're going to wind up dying now. now and tra tradition tells us that Peter was eventually crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to be crucified as uh, as Christ was. So they crucified him upside down uh, as a martyr for Christ, and willingly, willingly, because now he really was in the power of the Holy Spirit doing what Christ had commissioned him to do. And then it says, um, after saying this, he told him, follow me, follow me. So Peter had gotten off the path. In fact, he'd gone back to doing the, the same job that he had before. Jesus founds, finds him here and says, we're going to begin this process of restoration. And it begins with that redirection. And now he's moving him back to where he needs to be. When Jesus forgives and restores us, it's imperative to walk the path he has prepared. So he does meet us over here. He doesn't say, hey, Peter, I'm over here. Come back to me. And he has to come back by himself. No, he comes and meet. This is the path, the mission we were on. It's still here. But here's Jesus way over here. He comes to where we are. And says, 
Um, I'm going to give you 30 years, then I get 30 years on this earth of mission. I get eternal life, so I live forever. But in my time here, in this world, in this time and place, I get a set number of years to serve him. And he may give me 80, he gave me, may give me three. John the Baptist, how long did he have ministry? Six months. How long did Jesus have a ministry? Three years. So when we follow our Lord, uh, it is a uh, this is the the nature of the calling that we've received. So so anyway, the uh, so when Jesus forgives and restores us, it's imperative to walk the path He has prepared. Follow Him. Now, finally, there's a revelation. When again we walked off the path. Jesus sees us out here. He restores us. He begins this redirection. And in the process of this, uh, there is something that we see, something that we learn, something that we know. And this is revelation. We are slaves to our senses. I only know that which I can assimilate through my senses, through, through seeing, through smelling, through hearing, through speaking, through touch. Um, thinking that's all my senses. Uh, the uh, All these things are... Things, this is all input of data. So if you're a computer person, you understand there's, a computer can't know anything unless it has data put into it. And we are, we, we're the ones who design computers, and we design them after ourselves, that we also do not have information unless it is put into us, unless we can receive it. I don't know if you've ever had anything hidden from you, but uh, I have so many times, I, I have little hooks on my by my door where I keep my keys, and the reason why I have those hooks on the door with my keys is I hate having lost my keys, the process of searching for keys and looking everywhere for them. I don't know if you ever lost keys, but when you're running late for something and you go to get your car keys and they're not there, then it becomes this frantic search of where in the world did I put them and, and thinking of all the different places that they've been. Well, if you add into that mix a grandchild who says, I'm going to hide your keys from you or put them into a hidden place, it doesn't matter how much you search, how much you look, and, and what, other, what normal place. You, know, you can walk through all the process of logic you want, but you're not going to find them because they've been hidden from you. And this is the same way it is with the world in which we live. We are so arrogant sometimes in thinking that we can just figure everything out if given enough time and energy. But that is only... If God is not real and if he does not hide things from us. But the reality is he is real and there are some things that are hidden from us. There are some things that he does not allow us to see. Some things that we can't see simply because our senses can't pick them up. And without that, and, and he's the one who gave us our senses. He's the one who created all the, the way the world works. We, Like I said, we only know what he gives us the ability to to know and and so there are so many people that we are listening to who say that they know things but they don't know they're guessing and their guessing isn't really good because they do not have revelation when we have revelation it's when when the truth is made known to us by the person who holds the truth and we know that truth is not just a thing that is to be given it is a person and he is revealing himself in, in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, success in life is when we truly turn to Jesus Christ and say, show me, open my eyes that I can see. And then he gives us true sight of what life is really all about. And here's what happens in the church so often. Here's one of the reasons why we fail within the church so often is because we're half in, half out. We're believing Jesus when we're at church, and then we believe the world once we leave. And you can't do both. You're either going to have to follow Christ and believe what he says to be true. Now, this doesn't mean that the, the world doesn't um, um, have some truth. I was, somebody used to say to me, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. But... What the world has is only what God has revealed. And we have a special revelation. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have, a, we, we have had Jesus specially revealed to us so that we know who he is and what he's about. And he came to share the truth about himself with us. And look at verse 23. As we... 
I think I didn't read all those last verses last time. Because let me go back up to verse 20 so I can finish so I can get this. He says, So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is the one that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? If I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Now, in verse 23, it says, So this rumor spread to the brothers and sisters that this disciple would not die, yet Jesus did not tell him that he would not die. But if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? So he's saying, everybody thinks they know what that means, but they didn't know what it means. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. He's saying, I am that beloved disciple. I am the one Jesus was talking about, the Apostle John. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. So he's, all he's saying is, is, I've only written down what I could write down. Now, why is that important? Because we only know what God wanted us to know. We only know the truth that Jesus revealed, that he gave to us. As we walk with Jesus, he will reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. He tells us in this gospel, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And all we are called to do is to share Jesus. So we're walking on this way. We leave the path. We go over here. Jesus comes to us and says, I want to restore you. Turn around and now walk with me. Follow me. And now he redirects us, takes us from going, continuing going away from him, redirects us back to where we need to be. And as we walk with him, he reveals to us who he is, his purposes for our life, and the way he does things. As we walk with him, we learn more about him and how he does things. And so then as life situations come, as we continue this way, we realize this is the path Jesus has for me because this is how he walks. I recognize his voice. This is God talking to me. And we go, and then it's just very practically, it works like this. I get into situations in life and it's like, hmm, I wonder if this is what God wants me to do. And it's like, well, of course this is what God wants me to do. This is what he's always wanted me to do. These are the things that have always pleased him because we become familiar with his word. We walk in his word. We walk in his truth. We walk with him. And as we obey him, and then he says, yes, that's good, good. That's what I want. And then he affirms that through the church and through prayer and through his word and through our circumstances. And so he's affirming these things. And he's like, and then we learned this. Oh, this is, this is of the nature and character of God as revealed through Jesus Christ, as revealed through his word. All revealed through revelation. Then we have an, and as we learn these things about Jesus, we're to share those things. We're to share those things with others. In my experience, this is how God has always worked. This is what he says about himself in his word. This is how he's revealed himself through his church. These are the things that we see as we walk with him. We see the way, we see the truth. And we see life. When you think of the greatest failure, which is the fall of man, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, that is the, by far the greatest failure. We, had an, we were with God. Man walked with God. And then created a, a massive chasm of separation when sin entered into the world. Because we can't walk in holiness with God because of sin. Jesus restored it so we can walk with him through Jesus where it's possible to be sinful and walk with Christ because of the, the atonement of Christ. But when the fall of man occurred, we were not able to walk with God anymore. And so we had to be restored. So the fall of man, greatest failure of all kind. Now I want you to think about that. The fall of man resulted in the death of everything. Now, I was, was reading greatest failures in history. One of the stories was, and it couldn't be corroborated, but one of the stories was that there was a soldier who had the opportunity in World War I. He came across this fallen soldier who was unarmed and helpless. Uh, it was a British soldier, and he saw him. And uh, But instead of killing him there because the man was helpless, 
he didn't want to shoot him in cold blood, so he just left him. And legend has it, the man that he could have shot but didn't was Adolf Hitler. And that was deemed one of the greatest failures in history because Hitler went on to be responsible for the death of so many people and, and the suffering and persecution of so many people. But I want you to think about something. Where he failed, um, death eventually did come to Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler is not alive anymore. Neither are um, the people who survived Adolf Hitler. The majority of the people who And life forever. And now I don't have to fear a virus. I don't have to fear loss of job or loss of limb or loss of whatever. Whatever I, whatever I failed in, I know that Jesus can restore and, and get me back to where I need to be. And if in the greatest failure results in my death, I have the hope of life through his resurrection. So... That is why we follow Jesus. Peter literally was told by Jesus, if you follow me, you will die. If you follow me, you will die. I have foreseen it. Just as I told you you were going to betray me, I've seen you're going to die for me. Peter didn't run. He didn't take off trying to escape. He turned to him. He followed Jesus. He walked with him. Now, why would a man do that? Why would a man walk into the fire? Because he believed and he trusted that Jesus had the power to raise him from the dead. And that's the question today. Do you believe that? Do you trust him? If you trust in Jesus, then hear his words. Follow him. Follow me. And there's no turning back. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for your grace. Father, thank desperation for so long I've bled and prayed God come to my rescue even so the thought remains still my heart will praise you Storms within my 
Thank you for joining us this morning. And again, if you ever have uh, something you need to talk about with anybody, feel free. You, there's all types of contact information on our website at fbcj.us. Uh, my email, my personal email is troy at fbcj.us. Feel free to contact us and reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you, uh, both positive, negative things, but we, we, especially if you have something you're struggling with right now, something you want us to pray with you about um, and or to help you through, uh, we're always here for you. And uh, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if we're, we're part of the body of Christ. Our lives are given to Christ for the service uh, of feeding his sheep. So, uh, so be confident in reaching out to us. In a little bit, just when we get done talking here, we have three videos uh, for our young people, our kids, and our kids' ministry. This week, uh, we have some packets we're preparing to get out to kids. If you haven't contacted us and let us know that you want a packet, be sure and do that because we want to get that out to you. And we have some Zoom opportunities uh, that we're going to do. I know, I know Tuesday morning at 9, there's going to be a Zoom session uh, that's going to be fun for the kids. And, and there will be other ones that we begin to publicize. Also, we get ready to do our, we're doing our drive-in service at 10.30, so if you're watching, you want to jump in the car and come to the parking lot and hear the service again, then we will, we'll be right here uh, getting ready to do that. Next week, Mother's Day, don't forget, 9 a.m., we will have the live stream, we'll have the worship service broadcast live as we did today, and uh, probably, but hopefully without any technical difficulties, and we will have a baptism that will be part of that live stream worship service at 10.30 we will still have our drive-in service. So exact same schedule. The difference is next week, you're welcome to come worship here in the sanctuary with us. And it will be a little bit different because we'll have that separation uh, thing going on. But, uh, but your family will sit together. We'll just have families separated with that six feet of separation. So uh, if you have any fear about it whatsoever, please remember to enjoy the live stream and or come to the drive-in service. But let me close this out with a word. Father, we just thank you, God, for your great grace and lord for the, your preservation during this time lord i pray for our community i pray for our state lord as we begin to uh reacclimate to doing thing opening things up that we didn't have open before and people coming out of their homes that hadn't come out of their homes before and uh, lord i just pray that you'll protect us from this virus Lord, we don't want to see it spread we don't want more people to die we don't want anything bad to happen we do lord want to get back to living life and uh, living it abundantly and Lord, may we always just be faithful to do what you've called us to do and not be afraid to do it for your glory. Lord, uh, pray for the kids as they have their time now. And, and Lord, may it be a, a sweet time uh, for them. And Lord, may we just continue to grow in faith and your grace and mercy. And I pray for anyone, Lord, out there who's struggling, who's struggling with any type of failure they may be having. Lord, they realize they have friends who love them and uh, who want to reach out to them and connect with them. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's happening. <laughs>